All right, welcome back to Talking Thomas, the Thomas the Tank Engine podcast for all things Thomas, Shining Time Station, and everything in between. I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And uh, we're here doing another Shining Time Station episode commentary. And uh, this is on uh, episode two of season one, which for the longest time, I'm glad that it's uh, available now, was not available to us. And uh, it was, it's only in the last couple of years that this became available to us. So, Yep, absolutely. Yes. And so uh, we'll just uh, jump right in. Uh, and uh, press play now. Uh, I think episode two does it bite because that's the name of the episode. Almost for the longest time had almost sort of a mythical quality to it because while many of the episodes were available for so long, does it bite was one of the ones that wasn't. And so because it was the first two episodes are the first of so many things on Shining Time Station that, you know, when episode two was finally available, everyone who had ever seen Shining Time Station wanted to see it because the last time they would have seen it may have been unless they had a PBS affiliate that would have re-shown uh, episodes from season one, unlike mine. Uh, it would have been the first time they'd seen it since maybe 1989 or 1990. Right, absolutely. And uh, so this, this episode does feature a few different firsts. Uh, later on, we will see that uh, Tanya meets Mr. Conductor for the first yes. time. Uh, in the first episode, only Matt saw him. And then, uh, and then obviously, as well, the one of probably our, our favorite character from the series, oh, Schemer, yes. and def- definitely an overall fan favorite uh, of the series. Uh, he is introduced in this episode. He was not in the uh, in the first episode, um, and I, I, I'm guessing that they just decided that they needed another character around the station and uh, a bit more comedy, because uh, he really does bring uh, a lightness to it. Uh, the other, the other elements of the show, uh, you know, in the first episode, they were they were cute, of course, but he is he's funny. Uh, it's it's a little bit different. It's it, it's charming versus out and out comedy. Right. This is and this is a nice. Uh, he 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 serves as a nice foil to to Stacy and the other characters, of course. Right. Um, something that I always found interesting, or since this episode has become available, the thing I've always found interesting is: does it bite? Uh, we've talked about this with Thomas in a previous podcast. This is one of the first evidence of early installment weirdness for Shining Time Station, in that Schemer is a lot more serious and. I mean, he is comedic, obviously, but he's a lot more serious and sort of not quite menacing, but, you know, he's just different than he is in later seasons. Definitely. And I think the, the writing absolutely evolved for, uh, for Skinner once they realized the comic possibilities there and probably once they realized how good Brian O'Connor is. Right. Um, and, and that he was able to try anything um, and uh, that that it would work. So uh, they, they wrote great material for him. And of course, later for the VHS releases, they did uh, an entire little mini series uh, on each tape called the schema presents. And that, that used to be my, probably my favorite part of the one VHS that I used to watch all the time. Becky makes a wish. Yeah. The schema presents how to clean your room. That was one that I, I really enjoyed. I, I have to agree. Um, 
I also had I, I had I had one VHS and one of my close friends had another VHS and the streamer presents shorts on those. I remember one of them was how to share and I think the other was how to get something done. Uh, but the steamer present shorts, regardless, were hilarious. They were some of my favorite parts. And we will have to... I know we talked about doing the Jukebox one. We'll have to do a commentary on the steamer Presents video as well, because they were eventually uh, made into a compilation uh, set. and uh, released The world video. according to Schemer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to... Again, here's another little performer, as we mentioned in the previous commentary. We had the the, ban- the tap dancing banjo player. Yes. And in this one, we have a little clown. We do. Uh, so kind of a, you know, just anyone can walk through. And that's, you know, and that's a, that's a big thing about, uh, about sitcoms. You know, uh, Cheers liked the idea of setting it in a bar because anyone could walk through that door. Right. And comic possibilities ensue. And same um, for our uh, UK audiences and any American fans of British comedy, Faulty Towers, the same, the same exact idea. Anyone could walk through that hotel uh, door, and uh, and anyone did. So, uh, great, great comedy there. Exactly. The other thing I want to say about Schemer, uh, I know he's not on screen right now, but the other thing I want to say about him is that it's implied at the beginning that that's not necessarily his real name it's just something that people call him whereas later seasons established that that is in fact his last name absolutely so horace j schemer exactly so that's another bit of early installment weirdness for you it all seems to happen around schemer which i think is quite fitting actually (laughs) so and I know we talked about this when we did the commentary for A Place Unlike Any Other. Um, again, the workshop set is beautiful. And this, I, I think, is the first evident we, evidence we get of Matt being a little bit intimidated by Harry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as, I, as I mentioned in the previous episode, there, the... The two child actors here um, aren't, I, I wouldn't say aren't as strong um, as they are in the other, uh, the other seasons, uh, to, to put it mildly. Nothing, nothing against them as, no. as actors, but, no. uh, but uh, it's also possible they weren't given as good material, I think. But part of it, too, is just however, they're just, just not as charismatic and not as entertaining to watch as the other right now of course we say this but of course we we keep it we have to keep in mind that this was totally new everything about the series aside from like the thomas episodes but even that for an american audience was new everything was new about this and so i think a lot of it can be down to uh it, it being a totally new show and they weren't really sure what direction they wanted to go with it. They knew that it was going to be sort of a uh, sitcom, uh, but they didn't really know. I don't think they had every, each character fleshed out at the very beginning. And, you know, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And, uh, but the, they would eventually. Yes. Now, is this the only season that we see that ticket, uh, the ticket, booth at the top of the ticket booth and the clock i don't i don't recall seeing that in other seasons but perhaps I'm the clock forgetting. i think so um no actually the clock does appear at least in season two 
and I'm pretty sure it appears at least once in season three, though that might have been stock footage. Um, the plot does appear in at least one episode of season two, though, to my memory. Uh, the ticket booth, I'm not sure. We'll have to find out as we watch through the series. And now we've uh, started the uh, the third episode, and as we mentioned, for the most part, they go in order um, of the of the original uh, series one, and then eventually they kind of uh, jump around for series two. Right. Um, but uh, but this is, of course, the uh, the s- sad story of Henry, or as it would later be titled for U.S. audiences, "Come Out, Henry." Exactly. So yes, uh, of course, we covered this more in our second uh, podcast. So, uh, but this, this also, this second episode is a bit interesting because it's the first time that we see a Thomas story start without Mr. Conductor blowing his whistle. Now, of course, we'd have only seen Mr. Conductor twice by this point, uh, but uh, throughout much of the series, he does mainly use his whistle, although there are occasionally other instruments that he uses to start a story uh but this one just seems to start without any sort of effect it actually starts with mr conductor crying right so which i found interesting oh absolutely and the, and they would even later use the whistle sound effect for the uh, us vhs release of uh 10 years of thomas um, to introduce all of those episodes, even though Mr. Conductor wasn't involved, you know, they didn't have that character in there whatsoever, right. but they, they did include that for that. So. Right. Which was a nice touch, uh, because 10 years of Thomas was a U.S. Well, at the time they were all either U.S. or U.K. only releases. Now much of our releases sort of cross over with each other, but back then re- releases were either U.S. or U.K. edition, uh, so ten years, or Australian, or Canadian, well, or yes. Welsh, or anything. Yeah. Yes, but you, you know what I mean. Um, for for all the, um, and so, but it was it was interesting in that I think it was a nice little touch to have Mister Knutter's whistle sound in Ten Years of Thomas. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's because by that time, Shining the Time Station would have been over. And the promotion for Magic Railroad would have started by that time. Because mm-hmm. it was 1999. <sighs> because I always liked that, uh, liked that, uh, that, that video release of, of 10 Years of Thomas. Yeah. And especially because it featured footage of the Strasburg Railroad, um, the Day Out with Thomas event at Strasburg Railroad, and that was um, uh, that is in my home state. Yes, it is. So, and I, I have been there uh, a couple times. And later they went back there to film for Thomas and the Magic Railroad, which doubled as, as the Indian Valley Railroad um, yes. for, for that, which is interesting. Uh, partly and then partly, um, of course, they filmed on the Isle of Man for the, for the actual station building. Right. Which is also interesting. And it's interesting how the shows are similar, but also how different they are. Because, of course, the only real similarity between Shining Time Station and Thomas is, of course, the Thomas episodes. And so there's that. But while Thomas the Time Engine is a very British program, 
that has been Americanized for these purposes, Shining Time Station was very much an American program uh, for the Public Broadcasting Corporation. Right. So it's just I I, I just find it interesting how, as, as we said during the first episode, they incorporate so much into one half hour episode. Yeah, absolutely. So. Brian O'Connor has been in a few other things. Uh, nothing major of note. He usually just plays bit parts. Um, but uh, as I, as we said, the only two major actors in this first season, at least, were uh, Dee Dee Khan and, of course, uh, Ringo Starr. Absolutely. Yeah, Brian O'Connor, uh, I believe, was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. He was. Uh, and then he was also in uh, a uh, a little-known um, release uh, called uh, National Lampoon's Class of 86, which is uh, right. basically a filmed stage show. Um, but it, you can you could find it on YouTube, and actually there's some great material in there. Um, and it's interesting because uh, another cast member, uh, there are a few other cast members of that, uh, John Michael Higgins, mm. who would later, he's uh, a very well-known character actor. He's been in many, many movies. And then also um, Roger Bumpus is the star of that, basically. And he was the voice of Squidward on SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, so. yeah. Hmm. It's interesting, that. And here's a nice little, uh, a nice little uh, video here. And again, not, uh, not of course, made for Shining Time Station, no. but, uh, but, uh, but a nice little piece of animation. Yes. With the plate that looks almost like a flying saucer at times. It, <laughs> it, in fact, it is literally a flying saucer. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. But I'm sure. <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> This animation is quite nice. I I do like uh, the animation for this. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very very of its time. Sesame Street used to have similar style clips to this as well. Yeah, at the time. And this does go back to what you were saying in the first to what to what we both said in the first episode is that Shining Time Station was sort of the big alternative to Sesame Street. You know, like. Um, where where Sesame Street was more a uh, straight up variety show where like there were different segments, uh, different clips, uh, almost like the Muppet Show, but for a younger audience. Shining Time Station was still a variety show, but it was masked by uh, the concept of it all being inside of a old train station. Definitely. This song here, uh, this one was uh, sung by Eric Troyer. Oh, okay. That's quite nice. And I'm going to look up what else Eric Troyer did, because I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay, yes, he was, uh, he was involved with the second incarnation of ELO. Uh, oh, okay. ELO Part 2. He was a keyboardist, singer, songwriter. Oh, very nice. But, uh, but just a little song that he did there, and nice that it was featured in this episode, for sure. Gotcha. And again, it is interesting just how Steamer is a bit nastier in 
this first uh, in his first appearance, and he later uh, mellows quite a bit and becomes more. He's still nasty at times, but sort of jokingly nasty in later episodes. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit goofier, I would say. Um, I have right. to say, I always wanted his uh, his little uh, coin holster there that he has. Uh, that was that was my dream. <laughs> And here we are again uh, with the with the jukebox puppet band. Yes, uh, with their second appearance, and uh, first time that we see one of them behind the coin slot, uh, which, a- as they do with the station itself, they would later expand the inside of the jukebox. So, in fact, so that we would see entire rooms inside of the jukebox. Absolutely, where they sleep, their dressing rooms. Um, yeah, and then lots of other uh, areas in there. Yeah. But uh, that whole set is quite nice, and the, the attention to detail from the Fletzitune company is just fantastic. Oh, definitely. Now, I have to wonder uh, obviously, this would have been filmed separately from the real show. Uh, but I have to wonder how much of the Jukebot stuff was filmed concurrently with the filming of the rest of the series. I am I'm not sure. I believe relatively close closely. Um, uh, but uh, but because they never really interacted with any of the human characters, really, um, sure they kind of got to go off and do their own. Uh, do their own, do their own thing. But that's something that we could certainly uh, look into and explore in further episodes. Of course, and and just a couple of moments ago, we did get uh, one of the few times that we see the jukebox's perspective on humans with Steamer's eye looking through the slot of uh, the jukebox. And that's quite an interesting angle that that was at. Uh, a little frightening, yeah. A little bit, <laughs> yes. So. I do like Harry uh, quite a bit. As as I said in the first episode, I mainly grew up knowing Billy Two Feathers as the engineer. Uh, but having watched these episodes as both a teenager and a young adult, Harry grew on me pretty quickly. I would say so. I'm, I I would say that um, that uh, Tom Jackson, uh, who played Billy Two Feathers, I would say that he he's a, a naturally funnier yes actor. Um, but uh, but not, uh, but uh, perhaps the the overall character of Harry is slightly more uh, there right from the get go, right. um, and this is some great great footage um, of a of a great American locomotive. This is uh, let's see, the Union Pacific Railroad locomotive number eight forty four. And mm-hmm. this is that's the same locomotive that's used in the, the opening credit sequence, of course, as well. Yep. And I, it, it is nice, and they do this many times throughout the series. It is nice how whenever either Harry or Billy, whoever's the engineer, how when they talk about locomotives, we actually see locomotives at work. And that is, I, I feel a nice sort of, visual reference uh for kids because you know of course this would be mainly children and some adults watching uh but it it's a good way to show children 
what Harry is talking about. Well, definitely. And also the, by using footage uh, like we just saw there and the footage from the, uh, the magic bubble and the anything tunnel and the, uh, the Nickelodeon or the picture machine. And then the Thomas episodes, it opens up the show and it makes the show feel like it has a lot more scope than it actually does because without any of those, it's basically just a show set in one room. Right. <laughs> With the, the station lobby. Um, and then the, you know, and of course, you know, the, um, you know, at Harry's workshop, but that's basically the same room. It just has a door in between. Right. Um, so that's, it really helps to open the show up and it, it kind of, it tricks you into thinking that the show is a little bit uh, bigger than it actually is. Exactly. And uh, here we have the, second of uh, two Thomas stories uh, within this episode and uh, this would be Edward Jordan and Henry or uh, um, Henry to the Rescue uh, which we went into detail about in our second episode. Yep, absolutely. And, and something nice too is, is that uh, with the two-part episodes or three-part uh, I guess but mostly two-part episodes I should say um, for for Shining Time Station, it, it was nice because they were able to put those uh, in there, but leaves you a bit of time in between them. So uh, it, it's nice that they can introduce that as as another plot point, you know, to to reintroduce the uh, you know the first story and and then talk about it again. And and some of these early stories here, these early Thomas episodes, they were repeated later on in uh, in season three of of Shining Time Station. Um, Right. Uh, and uh, I, as they had already used up their library of, of most of their episodes and season four uh, wouldn't come out until 1995. And that's those season four episodes were used in the one hour specials. And yes. then the later uh, Mr. Conductor only spinoff of Shining Time Station entitled Mr. Conductor's Thomas Tales. Right. Which was, you know, after they finished up as much as they could do with Shining Time Station, that was sort of the successor to, um, the successor to Shining Time Station and the predecessor to just having Thomas episodes as they were in the UK, basically. Absolutely, and very cheap for them to produce. I mean, other than the you know, the slight cost of of, of a, mi- a a very minor set. Um, and uh, and George Carlin, um, the episodes were already recorded, right. already made. So really, I mean, that was that was what was so nice about this too is that by using, you know, let's say in in any Shining Time Station episode, there's at least nine minutes of Thomas footage, right? Already shot, already made, mm-hmm. uh, and then probably at least another five minutes of other material that stock footage. Um, between the Nickelodeon the, uh, and the Anything Tunnel or the Magic Bubble. Uh, and so and really about... it, it gave them a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, I'm sure financial freedom because they, they weren't spending all of that money to fill a half hour. Right. They would only be spending all of that money to fill uh, you know, 15 minutes. Right, pretty uh, much. Material. Pretty much. Uh, because yeah, because they would have about that much, so they had about, um, give or take, and of course we're estimating here, 
about 15 minutes of Shining Time material with about two to three minutes of that time filled up with the Jukebox Puppet Band. Absolutely. So, I mean, barely 10 minutes <laughs> right. of, 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 of actual Shining Time, Shining Time State. Really, you know, there's... They they did they did a good job with what with what they did, but uh, but it certainly saved them time. You know, if they they couldn't figure yes. out how to how to work something, you know, it's just nice to throw a Thomas episode or two in there and make it work, and and gave them story ideas to work around too. You know, they the, basically the story ideas were written for them, right? Uh, because they they were building them around the pre existing Thomas stories. So for the most part, yeah, yeah. And as I said, sometimes the Thomas stories were kind of shoehorned in, but, uh, right. but for the most part, the, these earlier episodes they did a good job of trying to fit the fit the story around the, the Thomas stories. Something I found interesting is, particularly in the later half of season one, Shining Time Station in season one, at least, is a lot more serialized than it. Um, than it would be in later seasons. I mean, yes, there was still, uh, you know, the central characters and stuff. Season one, though, had more of an arc to it. Uh, the first two episodes have an arc, and then the last last five or six episodes have their own arc as well, which we'll get into later. Absolutely. So, and of course, the the arc of the first two stories would be, like, the introduction to the station, the introduction to the characters, uh, the ideas of what the show is all about and what these characters are all about. Um, going back to Brian O'Connor for a minute, written, Mr. Conductor, of course, is a super popular character. I mean, it's, I mean, the, it's no wonder why he showed up in Magic Railroad. I'd say Steamer, despite not appearing in that, is almost as big a character or as popular a character as Mr. Conductor was as well yeah definitely um and here we have the the clown again and he's he's back yep steamer writes off the station as being wacky for now but he'll be back as we see many times (laughs) so But I do think that um, if it had come out at any other time, I don't know that Shining the Time Station really would have worked. It was very much, it came out at the right time with just the right people behind it, the right people starring in it. And had it been only a few years later, I, I don't think it would have been as good as it was. No, absolutely. And I, I, I think Thomas struck America just at the right time as well. Right. Um, and uh, and and really just uh, exploded in the 90s in, in a great way. And, and really with the advent of home video, people were kids were able to just watch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch all of these episodes over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, and quick digestible bites right. uh, because they were so short. So, it, I mean, it, it really worked out. Really worked out very well. And I love the I love the action with uh, with Tito here. Yeah, you know, he just slides all over and um, and and you could tell they really had a great time uh, doing this. And and that's something really that you can say for the entire series is that the you can just tell the love behind behind all of the decisions of the show. Right. Um, and that, that it was really made by people who who cared. 
Oh, I mean, the same thing could be said for, for Thomas itself. So. Oh, yes. Uh, but I, I do think Tito is definitely the most mobile of the Jukebox puppet band. He moves around the most. With, with Tets and Rets, they kind of just sit there. Same with Dee Dee. Grace moves around a bit more, but Tito, he's all over the place. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and it added some nice, uh, a nice dynamic to that, uh, to that group in, in the jukebox. Right. So we say goodbye to the juddler, or at least this juddler. Because juggling clowns seems to be kind of a thing in the first season, and we'll get more <laughs> to that later. And so that was uh, that was episode two. Does it bite? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a good episode, I would say. The first episode's better, but uh, and you know when we're when we're done with this first season of Shining Time Station, just like we will with our uh, first season of Thomas, we will uh, most likely do a, a kind of a best and worst of the of the season. Right. But um, but we'll still have uh, eighteen episodes to go. So exactly. Um... And I do, I do agree that the first episode is probably better than the second. I think the second gets as much credit as it does because, as I said at the beginning, it had almost a mythical status as you know a lost episode for so long because it wasn't available up until uh, th- uh, four or five years ago. Right. So, uh, but yeah, as you said, that is uh, does it bite. Um, I I quite liked the episode as well. Uh, as we said with Thomas, it, there are no truly bad episode per se. There are just some that we rate more highly than others. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that there, there. Uh, uh, I would say Shining Time Station varies in in quality greater than uh, greater than to Thomas does. Well, certainly. yes, but um, but that that's inevitable. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean it, it's 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 good, and it was a great introduction for for Thomas in America, and it's it's great to be uh, it's great to be discussing this again for for context. This came this was released on February fifth, nineteen eighty nine, and it is interesting uh, because unlike Thomas, which I believe was shown on weekdays, Shining Temptation was shown once a week. Right, yeah, more in the more in the manner of a, of a true, yeah, like a, a true sitcom, or you know, uh, in, in that regard, um, as opposed to daily, like a lot of other children's shows were at the time. Right. Although later seasons, are. although later seasons would actually be shown on a daily basis. Season one, at least, uh, was uh, shown uh, only once a week, mm-hmm. and then repeated once or twice within a year due to rights restrictions. Right. So, all right. Well, that, uh, as we said, was episode two. I thought it was fantastic. So, um, any final thoughts on that then? No, it's great. And, uh, and, uh, looking forward to reviewing the rest of season one of Sharing Time Station. Yep. As am I. So, uh, well, once again, uh, you're listening to the Talking Thomas podcast. Thanks a bunch for listening, and we'll see, catch you around. Find us on. Uh, we are now on a few different other platforms as well. We, of of course, if you're listening to us on Anchor, you know that we're there. We we are on Spotify, and we are also on um, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and you can find us on Facebook, Talking Thomas, and you can also find us on Twitter at Talking Thomas. So um, 
but uh, yeah, check us out and uh, follow us. Give us a like if you like what you're listening to.